I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk a Business. Today, we're talking about the benefits and drawbacks, if there are any. I mean, I'm sure that there's some challenges around starting a nonprofit. Here with me is audit shareholder, Sam Addy. Sam, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? what it is you do here at Lutz, and why are we talking to you about nonprofits? All right. Well, thanks, Jack. Happy to be here. Yeah, my name's Sam Addy. Um, I'm an audit audit shareholder at Lutz. I've been here, it'll be 18 years in December of- 18 years? 2020. So I came over here in 2002, about two months after I got married. So it's been a while. And I'm currently the leader of our not-for-profit practice. Okay. And what the leader of that means is I help kind of coordinate the not-for-profits when we're trying to bid on them for work and also the the team, making sure we have enough tax partners, audit partners, audit managers, and tax people to help consult on those. So So we have dedicated resources to specifically helping nonprofits. We have dedicated people that spend most of their time, I'd say, on not-for-profits. Got it. And I'm probably about, I'd say, 30% not-for-profit is is, is my time spent on it. And we have some people that are... You know, it could be 75% or it could be 50%, but they're, they're more technically put to not-for-profits. And is that, I mean, again, I'm going to I'm gonna sound like a complete idiot talking no about some of these topics, but, uh, you know, I'm, I think people are used to that by now. Sure. The reason we got to have dedicated people understanding, you know, the, the accounting side of nonprofits is helping them receive the benefits that they should by being a 501c3 or through 501c7, all the things that we'll talk about. But what about the audit side? Why do you need someone that's specialized in nonprofits yep. on the audit side? So they're just a different animal type of business. Financial statements look different than a normal for-profit company. The footnotes have a lot of different disclosures. So you need people that have reps in doing you know, multiple financial statements a year so right. that they know what they're doing. And most not-for-profits have to have kind of the same disclosures. So disclosures and their financial statements look the same. So you need people that have that knowledge and have experience in it. Got it. So let's unpack the difference between nonprofits and for-profit companies other than the very clear difference of, of whether there's a profit or not. Well, there can be a profit, okay. but they're not for profit because essentially there's no income tax due. Okay. All right. There's no owners. Okay. All right. It's just an entity. There's no owners. There's no shareholders. There's no tax due. Generally, if you're following all the rules, there's no right. tax due. There can be certain portions of your not for profit. There can be tax due, but generally that's, and they're really set up to serve. A mission. So when you say that there can be a profit, we shouldn't confuse that with the fact that there's okay of, of an operating surplus of money, right? I mean, at the end of the day, is that... That's okay. Yes. Okay. It's okay to have, you know, to make more money than you've than you've spent. Right. Yep. Can you help me understand? Because one thing that's always been, and I've always kind of wanted to understand a little bit better, is how do salaries and pay work for nonprofit? Is there a cap? Is there, are there certain rules that, that, that you limit people that run nonprofits? There's no legal rules. You can have as many employees as possible as long, as long as you can function with that. There's no legal rules, but those salaries, especially your highest paid people, your executives, they get disclosed in your, in your tax form, which is public information. Sure. So they're, they're people that are going to donate money to your cause or contribute money to your cause may look at your tax forms and see, are you spending the money for your purpose or are you spending the money for higher wages for other people? Right. So in that, that 
I don't think it happens very much, but that, that that's the thing people look at. Certainly. So one thing that I've, you know, working with other foundations and understanding that and then being involved operationally on the financial side with certain nonprofits, I find that the people that I work with where, you know, and again, I don't know what their compensation is, so I can't speak to that. Sure. But you would think in an organization or if you're trying to be as impactful as possible as a nonprofit, you're going to have to pay people that have those skills, right? Pay so, those people those skills. And I think the people that are taking those jobs know they're taking it a lot for the mission that they're they're working for versus okay. I'm trying to make the most money possible. Sure. So if you're you're going to work for a not-for-profit or start a not-for-profit, right. your original goal is not to make as much money as possible. It's to mm-hmm. serve the mission you're either working for or that you're starting. Right. So you have to pay people to do certain jobs and you got to pay market rates to get those people in there. Right. If you have, you have an executive director, you have a CFO, you know, right. you got to pay the market rates. Sure. But I think those people know going in there, they're not getting giant bonuses because not-for-profit did well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the goal of the not-for-profit. I'm sure it happens right. a lot. I mean, it, it can happen, but that's not the overall goal. Right. But but just because they served a community, a part of the community in need better this year than last year, they're not driven by performance bonuses, as you're saying. Not necessarily. Right. I, most of the, most of the not-for-profit stuff the organizations we work for, it's not, that's not what they're, they're doing. They're really, the more money they make, I think the, the thing they're trying to do is broaden their mission. Got it. Got so it. Getting more out, you know, if they're in the, you know, East Omaha, then we can get out to West Omaha or, you know, in Nebraska, you can go to different states. That's generally what they're trying to do when they, they make money, I guess, make more than they spend. Sure. Well, and I, I imagine that's a very important difference, too. I mean, they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're reliant on donations and not income from, you know, products that, that are being sold. So right. the way they measure their success is absolutely different. Yep. Most, I mean, that's generally for most not-for-profits. If you look like a, a Goodwill, all right, Goodwill is a not-for-profit. Right. They sell things, right. Right? but it all gets donated to them, but they're selling things. So Goodwill probably for their, they probably get other, you know, outside donations. And we, we, we don't work with Goodwill, but they do actually sell things. So it matters if they're selling goods, but most Certainly. not-for-profits generally are going to be raising money to do a mission to help other people in the community. Right. But so, the, the strategy behind it is how can we reach more people or help more people as opposed to how can we reduce costs on the, you know, the cost of goods sold for a product and yeah, generally, our, yes, yes. God. Well, let's talk about the legal side. What, what are some of the steps to, to starting a nonprofit? What are things that you have to keep in mind? And what are the different kinds of nonprofits? That's a lot of things that I said. But. Yeah. I mean, generally the first thing is you're going to have to have an entity. Okay. So typically you're going to have to get an articles of incorporation. You got to file that with the state you're in, and that's essentially does that. And generally, you got to have a separate entity too, because the entity that you start will limit the liability to the organization and to the board of directors. You know, you, you just don't start one on your own. Right. You don't do Jack Moylan not for profit. So right. you have an entity with articles of corporation filed with your state. You know, some not profits will have bylaws, which okay. the bylaws are you know the things that's gonna. The rules that the board of directors will follow in leading the organization. Mm-hmm. The state of Nebraska doesn't require that you have bylaws filed with your articles of incorporation, but some states do. But most not-for-profits are going to have bylaws as well. So that's kind of interesting to me. So so Nebraska doesn't require bylaws to incorporate as a nonprofit. Is there a similar a similar side there to for-profit companies? Is there something Nebraska doesn't require that other states do? Do you have any idea? I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Just know for not-for-profits, bylaws are not required. Right. And do you have any idea? I mean, 
it seems like an interesting. I would think if having your articles incorporation, I think they'd be the same. Got You'd it. have to have them for for profits and not for profits. But I know for not for profits, bylaws are not required. Generally, every organization is going to have bylaws anyway. They're just not required Got to it. be filed with the state. Got it. Got so. it. Interesting. Which I'm sure that, you know, having bylaws is, you know, then you talk about, okay, receiving donations. I'm sure there's other people outside the organization saying, well, where are your bylaws? Yeah, they might say that. And it's going to be, I mean, it's really on not-for-profits too. You know, you have board directors and those board directors aren't there forever. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of turnover. There's people, a lot of turnover. So this kind of sets your, kind of, it helps in setting your mission of what I want to do with the funds we receive and how, how we utilize those funds. I mean, it could be drafted in the bylaws and just how the organization. Ha, have you worked with any nonprofits that didn't have bylaws and you've, you've kind of consulted with them and say, Hey, listen, maybe if you got some bylaws put together, it would help out the organization. I, I have not personally. That's more kind of like on the legal side, but that's generally most of them have those. Got it. Okay. So, so for the most part, it's, yeah. it's but it's for the attorney helping you set all this up. They, they mostly have those. Got it. You got a few different kinds of, of nonprofits. Yeah. This is real exciting. I, IRS jargon. <laughs> yeah, I was so, going to say, let's talk about it. <laughs> you also have to file exemption with the federal government to be an exempt not-for-profit. You have to file a form called a 1023, which describes your organization, what type of organization you want to, you want to be under the, under the Internal Revenue Code. So mostly everyone here is 501c3. That's generally the most, most not-for-profits fall under the, the 501c3, what's public charities, you know, for religi religious, scientific, educational purposes. And then you probably have other ones that are a little bit, you know, smaller or not, or not people know about too much is 501c4 it's like a civic league or a association a local association and there's 501c5 which is a labor organization such as unions and it kind of goes down the list i mean right. there, there's seven or eight of them mostly it's you know your 501c3 not-for-profit Right. Corporation. And then I didn't realize like uh, like a chamber of commerce. I see that as 501c6. Yeah. And it's really, it, it's kind of, you know, they probably have little different things in the form 1023 you have to fill out. Right. But it's really just code sections for different types of things. Right. What, so then there's the 501c7, which is social recreational clubs. Is that, would that be like a, like a YMCA? No, that's going to be more like, like a softball club or something like Got that, it. that someone wants to start. And it's kind of a smaller type. So my team, so my Thursday night beer league softball could be a nonprofit, is what you're saying. Well, yeah, no. I'm sure you'd have a hard time. You have to prove why you're a nonprofit to the IRS for the yeah, show some, exemptions. Yeah, to show some legitimacy. Yeah. So what are you doing with all the money you raise from all your friends besides buying beer? I yeah. guess that's gonna that's gonna benefit society. Well, I mean, going back to maybe our next point, I mean, what are some of the most you know attractive parts of a nonprofit? It, my mission may be drinking beer and playing softball. Well, I don't know if the government would agree that that's a mission that should be. Fit. <laughs> right. Well, that's fair. <laughs> or people giving you money and not paying tax on that money you've been given. <laughs> well, it certainly would provide some entertainment. Yes, but there you go. Anyway, so yeah, what are there any other you know benefits? I mean, why why does it make it attractive for you know people I, that the biggest uh, thing if you're if you want to start a not for profit, I assume you want to start for not for profit to fulfill the mission you have in mind. Mm -hmm. That is the most attractive thing in my mind. That why you're have starting. you ever helped or been involved or helped anyone or do you know anyone very closely or personally that has started a nonprofit? You know, I've been on boards of nonprofits. Obviously, been started. You know, have started you? from scratch. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so I've been, you've been on the board, and obviously, they started somewhere. So I've been on some really small nonprofits that, you know, were started 
you know, five, 10 years ago and someone right. decided this is, you know, this is the mission they want to do. And so, yeah. And they remembered you from high school and they're like, yeah, that same. Yeah, idea. yeah, of course. He'd be so a great. good guy to have on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they remember me from high school and thought that. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe after high school. <laughs> right, right, exactly. What are some of the, you know, pitfalls or mistakes that you got to watch out for in nonprofits? I think the biggest thing in a not-for-profit is you have to really know how you're going to fund your organization every year and keep it going. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the biggest thing. You have to figure out the so way. So fundraising. Fundraising is the biggest thing or how you're going to be fundraising right. or how you're going to start. If you have this great idea to start a not-for-profit, you can't just start with $0 and say, hey, we're off and running. Right. You've got to have a plan in place and hopefully get some financial backing from a foundation or something like that to help you start and run. And that foundation is going to put you know, some restrictions on what you can spend that money on. They're going to be watching you, you know, watching your financial reporting and all that stuff to make sure you're doing what you said you're doing. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, everyone has a great idea, but you got to figure out what's, how you're going to keep it going. Right. So, I mean, I'm sure that comes in the form of capital campaigns and and just whatever drives you try and run, but there's also, are are there any creative ways? Because here, so actually, yeah, this is a good segue into, I, I was trying to help out a potential client the other day, their nonprofit and, you know, I don't know if the revenue side is, is quite exactly what they would need to, to get the things they're looking for. Right. Right. So are there any creative ways? And I talked to a couple other guys, I talked to Jim and LFS and was like, hey, what's your opinion, perspective? Is there any other creative ways other than just, you know, the hitting the ground and, and trying to fundraise that are out there that people can look to? Well, people, you know, you, you, I'm sure you've heard of they have those annual golf tournaments. Right annual parties and do auctions and stuff. Those right. are kind of the creative ways that have grown over time right. for to get people, you know, they, you know, people know when they're going there, they're giving their thousand dollars for a foursome, but it's a good time, right. you know, and they know the foursome probably costs a hundred bucks, but their $900 is going to a mission they like. Right. So, I mean, those are kind of the, the creative ways and it's all the social media type stuff. And right. that, 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 that's not my bag, but you know, right. that those are, you know, those, that's certainly not a, you know, very simple, there's no real simple way to do it other than make sure you go out there and receive donations, whether it's, you know, bag prizes or, or, you know, a golf course lets you golf there for free for a day or things like that. I mean, it's got to be so important to make sure you're not, because you can't pay for these things that you're offering at an auction, right? Right. Or, yep. I mean, that's, so there's no, there's no one easy way to, to, to right. get out there. Yep. I mean, and then the thing, the great thing about Omaha, and I'm sure you guys know that, we have so many foundations with a lot of dollars that help out a lot of these not-for-profits. So we just did a podcast with Omaha Community Foundation. Yeah, when that, the no CF does that uh, in May. Yep. Where I think they raised Omaha Gives or Omaha Gives yep. and raised eight million or ten million dollars in a day. Right. And I've been a participant in Omaha Gives for you know my my kids' school and foundations. I've been on boards and stuff like that. And that's right. those are creative ways as well. Right. You know to get involved with those and. You know, people are doing social media, tweeting out their members. Hey, Network, don't, don't, yeah, networking and all that type of stuff. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, because that's that's what I was trying to do the other day when I was talking to Jim, and I actually called my girlfriend's dad and asked for his his opinion because I said, you know, listen, these guys, they've got to, I want to help them out. I want to help see see how we can offer them some services, of course, a, but b, if there's any creative ways or people that I can connect them with to to get some funding that way too. So I think at the end of the day, it's it's the same as any other networking. They right. don't they don't if they don't know someone, they don't. They don't know. That's right. They can't get that connection and then open the door for them. So it's just an, it's an interesting realm. I mean, I think, uh, have you gotten a lot from being on, on the board of, of nonprofits? I mean, has it, have you taken a lot from that? Yeah, I think the, the thing about it, though, if you're going to be on the board or you're going to have board members, you, you really want the, I keep on saying the word mission, but 
I think they have to believe in the the mission they're on the board of. I mean, you you know, so right. it's, it's something you got to be excited about and realize you're not just there to to fill a seat. You know, right. they want you active, and a lot of on the smaller not for profits, the <clears throat> board members are kind of expected to maybe donate some money or go sure. find some donors themselves because the, the not-for-profit can't afford a development director or something like that. So right. they're serving in that capacity as well. I'm sure that's also a potential, not mistake, but a, but an area where they may need some help is having you, a very supportive board. Very supportive board in all realms of business. Right. You know, you have a finance type person, you have a development person, you have an IT person, not necessarily working for your not-for-profit, but it has the knowledge of, here. these are things, Jack, if you just start one tomorrow, Right. You could do this certain thing. I you know how to do this, but there's ten different other things you probably didn't even know about. Right. You know, so if you have a supportive board or other consultants you can use, you know, to tell you, hey, have you thought about this, 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 and this? Right. Well, you and know? that's that's interesting. I mean, it's really no different. I mean, we've had conversations about starting your own business, the process of being a startup, some of the yeah. some of the other advice that we get. I mean, it's really no different than a for-profit business in the in the early stages in that you need to be able to wade through the people that you need counsel with. Sure. Whether it's legal, financial, accounting, services. If you don't understand that realm, you need to have someone on the board that can help you kind of sure. navigate through this. It's, it's the same concept. Right. And then, and then also, of course, bring on people that are not only dedicated to your mission, but are, are willing to take maybe a little bit less and, and try and provide a little bit more. So that's that's pretty interesting. Anything else as far as you know potential areas of, of mistakes or things that people can watch out for? You know, I, I think the biggest thing too is you know every every most nonprofits are going to start pretty small, and you have to realize kind of as we talk that you can't do everything. Right. There's administrative, reporting, accounting. There's running the mission. There's fundraising. There's so many different things you have to do. And thinking you can do it all by yourself is could be a failing option. And again, the biggest thing you need to, to start or to continue is money to keep on going. Right. And that's just kind of the way it is. So, I mean, if you're going to spend all your time on fundraising and there's no one there to help you with reporting, tax, accounting, right. you know, running the actual the program of the mission, you right. know, that, that that's a hard thing to balance. So, right. I mean, those are kind of the biggest missteps. I think everyone has, it's just like any, any startup, you know, you have a great idea. Mm-hmm. You might have a great idea, but getting that idea to market, same concept in a not-for-profit, getting it to market. Right. And that, that person that starts it needs to maintain their focus and energy where they are served best, which is the mission. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, if it's a for-profit startup, yeah. you know, they're making X trinkets. They need to, that person needs to focus on that, develop business, live in that world and, and surround themselves with other good people yeah, that can help like them out with those. Being humble about, you, 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 you got to know what you don't know right. and be humble <clears throat> about it and, you know, and look for help. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, have you seen, I'm sure you have, but the last, you know, six to eight months, uh, how has that affected people around town or just nonprofits yeah, in general? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, for, you know, is fundraising has got to be down everywhere. Right. I mean, and there's organizations that have members or that have people that need to come in to use their services. They can't use those services or they rely on donations for member fees or like, like a YMCA of the world. You right. know, the YMCAs, they charge a membership fee and they have to close the YMCA down. They don't get those membership fees right. or they don't get the activity. And that, that the more members they have, it helps them, you know, make that YMCA, you know, more effective or, you know, makes it better. So that's a big thing. And also not being able to do your mission because of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to serve the community, but you're not allowed to have people come in your facility to, to get the services they need or that those people that are coming in are less, 
you know, you're not fulfilling the mission you want to fulfill. Yeah. So it's a different time and everyone's right. got to adapt to it, but that's, right. you know, that's a hard thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, not only, I guess at any time that, that businesses struggle or, or for-profit businesses struggle, yeah. nonprofit businesses are going to struggle yeah. the same. People have less discretionary money, you yeah. know, to, to give to a charitable organization. It's like the whole concept of going to a church. Yeah. Churches rely on Sunday giving. If no one can go to the church, they got to rely on people paying it through the mail versus dropping it in the basket. Right. Or over the internet, which or, I'm sure yeah. that's been vital. Sure. You know, for charitable yep. giving. Yep. So, well, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you, you talking us through some of these topics. I mean, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, everything you hear, we talked about charitable giving, like I said, with the Omaha Community Foundation and, and discussed that. And, and now we're talking about nonprofits. It's it's really the best way for us to, to help out the parts of our community that need it most. Sure. Right. And so yep. was there anything anything you'd like to leave us with? Any insight or any thoughts on, on getting involved in nonprofits around town? Have you been involved or are there any that you currently help out with or, or volunteer for or things yeah, that you think so are great causes? Accountants are always going to be the treasure of every nonprofit they're on. Right. So I'm the treasurer of my kids' Little League. Right. You know, so that is, you know, different boards are different. You know, if the smaller not-for-profit, if you're on the board, it's a working board. Right. You are essentially an unpaid employee, and you on, you realize that going into it. So I've been involved in that. You know, I, I work, you know, you know, it's just like volunteering for your children's school. You don't have to be on the board, but mm-hmm. you're doing something for a not-for-profit. Mm-hmm. You're doing something for no pay for something you believe in. Sure. Well, so, and that was one of the interesting topics that was brought up in our conversation last week or the week before was, you know, it's not just money. It's not just funds that you can give and, right. and feel like you're giving back. There's there's also the Omaha Gives that they do. They, you can... You can donate materials to schools yep. through them or other nonprofits that need them, even if it's sticky notes that a nonprofit needs. I mean, sure. office supplies that way, money, and then also just time. Like you said, kind of contributions of time. You right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. Hopefully, we'll have you back on at some point. Oh, that was my first podcast. It was it was, it was a blast, Jack. <laughs> Did great. Thanks. <laughs> You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.